Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're very welcome to Thursday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Let's get straight to business today. I don't know, folks, if you remember the movie. It was a great movie. The Hunt for Red October, starring Sean Connery. Well, it's that movie that comes to mind every time I hear the issue of or the story of the search for a new Ireland football manager. Yes, Stephen Kenny is long gone at this stage and there is still no replacement with matches imminent now in March. Well, a man with his finger on the pulse, I'm sure, that can fill us in is the Irish Daily Mail soccer correspondent, Philip Quinn, and he joins me on the line. Philip, do you remember that movie? I remember it very well. Sean Connery was the the, the renegade or the rogue uh, captain who was defecting from the uh, USSR to the USA. It was a game of cat and mouse, uh, and um, I think he eventually, he he survived. (laughs) He he, he delivered uh, across to the other side. Uh, but it was a real nip and tuck because he was being followed underwater by the Russians, followed underwater by the Americans. No one knew what, quite what was going on. And that's not a bad sort of, um, sort of comparison to where we are now, Jerry, with the Irish football team. Maybe um, maybe if Sean Connolly was around, he could point us in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> he might even get the job, Philip. Anyway, um, it comes down, I suppose, to um, putting all your eggs, perhaps, in the one basket. The relentless pursuit of Lee Carsley at the expense of everything else. Has that come back to bite them in the backside? In a way, I suppose it has, insofar as Carsley was our number one. Um, that was that was fairly evident uh, for, at the beginning. I think I think Chris Hewton was also very much at the very beginning of the uh, the search. But Carsley emerged as our number one. Uh, I'm not privy to what happened in the discussions. You know, you hear things from somebody who spoke to somebody who spoke to somebody and the story that we got was that it fell down over over the budget. Um, now, the FBI people have, have denied that, but on the other side of the people close to Carsley say that that was the issue. Um, he would be taking all the risk, leaving a very a very comfortable, well-paid and um, challenging job, but rewarding job with the English 121s, um, take on the Irish job. So uh, he felt it wasn't right for him, and he, bro- he broke, the talks broke down, and I think the FBI have just I've let that go cold. But I don't think he was the only person. They, like, they did have a list initially of 12 to 14 people that were persons of interest. Carsey would have been at the top of that list. Uh, Chris Hewitt was on it. Um, you know, now, we, we heard again, he's before the, the, the Afghan, ex, uh, Afghan experience with, with Ghana, which didn't go very well. Um, and I think left him a little bit shocked by it all, the, the treatment he got over there. I think Chris was already out of the running. Carsey wasn't the only person they had, but they had a lot of people. And depending on whether you're, what paper you're reading or what radio station you're listening to, there have been, you know, approaches, quote, end quote, to, um, you know, Neil Lennon was very much in the frame. He, he said at the, at, the, at the weekend on television 
that he expected a decision. And he got a call and it wasn't him. And I don't think he was overly happy because he knew he was in the final two or three. Uh, then suddenly Chris Coleman's name popped up only to, to disappear again uh, pretty quickly. Um, where are we now? Um, well, that's, that's a $64,000 question. Um, with the news on Wednesday that Thomas Tuchel was stepping down from Bayern Munich at the end of the season, it has prompted a speculation, and that's what it's all about, again, speculation, that the FBI might, might approach Anthony Barry, um, who's known to the Irish team, known to the Irish players. He was Kenny's number three, and that's when we had our best results and our best performances. He'd be intriguing. He's never picked a team before, but if he wants to get into the management and he's available in the summer, he's somebody that could uh, come from left field, Jerry. So does that mean then that the talk about John O'Shea being appointed in an interim capacity is now more real and may happen? Well, we asked Mark Canham this on Tuesday at the FAI Pathways Plan launch in the Aviva Stadium. Uh, he played a straight bat. When I, you know, we, we try to get some information out of him. Like, will we have an interim manager? Do you need one? Are we getting to that point? Those fixtures are only are only four weeks away, Jerry. That the squad has to be announced in three weeks' time. So we're getting very close to the, you know, point of no return. Ideally, you don't want an interim manager. You really don't. But if, for example, Barry is the person that they might talk to, or if somebody else they're talking to isn't available until later in the summer, maybe Gus Poye, or that, that, I think that's fanciful. Then, yeah, I think we're getting close to a, an interim manager. Um, they would normally, in the past, and you'd be aware of this, the, you know, the under-21 manager would have stepped up. It would have been Don Gibbons. Uh, it would have been Noel King. Um, I think Noel, uh, Gibbons stepped up when McCarthy who stepped down in 02, and Noel King stepped up when uh, Trapattoni was relieved of his duties. Um, when was that? In 20. That's 2013, yeah. But we, the only one manager this time, Jim Crawford, is doing a very fine job. He has matches uh, in that window next March, so he's not available. Someone like Stephen Rice uh, was on the FBI payroll and was part of Kenny's backroom team as an analysis. But I think John O'Shea would be a good, safe pair of hands. He was number three to Kenny. Um, you know, he's done extensive coaching in England. Uh, I think he was at Birmingham most recently. Before that, he was at Stoke. Um, he knows the Irish scene inside out. I think he'd be a really solid pair of hands. Um and someone who could take over. Yeah, I wouldn't have any fear about that. Not so much the March games, Jerry. I'm a bit concerned, though. If we get to June, that's the, they're the last friendlies we have before the Nations League. I think the manager really has to be in for those games. I, whatever about March, we, I, would, I think Irish football needs the manager there for the matches in June. Otherwise, you're coming in cold and your first game, first compa- game is competitive match at home to England in the Nations League. Wow. Um, but John O'Shea is certainly in, it will be in the frame as things stand, absolutely. And with every passing day, as we get near to those to those matches in March, uh, we get nearer to an interim manager. Is money a factor? Is it uh, not paying the attractive rate that will uh, entice somebody uh, on the way up, as you say, to take the job? It is. It, budget is a problem. Um, they only have so much. And that would probably why, to me, the wow factor, Roy Keane, you know, that would rule Roy out from day one. You know, Roy has a a blue chip value, and they couldn't go near him. And anyway, there's a bit of baggage there with Roy that some people would still feel wasn't uh, ideal um, for him to come forward. Although I think he'd have paid for himself, he'd have got sponsors in straight away, and if he had the right coaching team around him. What about another Keane, Robbie Keane? That's that's a name that I, I, I you know, Robbie's cutting his, his teeth at Tel Aviv. Maybe it's too soon. Maybe it's too soon. Uh, but money is, is, is a problem with the FBI. They don't have O'Brien's um, magnificent. You know, um, although Eddie Jordan has been quoted recently as saying, you know, if you want money, I'll go and get it. I'll help out again. Um, and he helped out before. But I think that their, their packages around sort of 
700, 800,000 fill of all in. It's, it's, you get more money than that, Jerry, in the championship in England. You know, the average salary there is a million, million euros. So that is a handicap, you know. Although, again, <clears throat> Adam said to us on Tuesday when we said to him, is the budget a problem? And he said, no, we put the budget on the table straight away and it hasn't been an issue. Um, but I do think it's an issue because if you have big money, if you have, you know, a decent, a decent sort of wedge to offer, I think you're going to attract a broader range of candidates and probably a high caliber candidate. But this is this this is astonishing, Jerry. I mean, with no disrespect to Stephen Stephen Kenny, I mean, we kind of all suspected towards the second half of the European Championship campaign that Stephen was probably not going to get his contract renewed. Certainly after the September double header. Um, so really, the FBI should have been preparing then, not waiting for November. I, I imagine they had to be preparing. Here we are now, middle of February. You know, March is almost upon us. The League of Ireland season is up and running. It's dragging on too long, and it doesn't reflect well. These guys in charge, I say these guys, Mark Cannon, Director of Football, Jonathan Hill, CEO, they've never picked a manager before, men's team manager before. Becky Bonner should be there to provide advice, but it's dragging too long, and we just need an answer. We need somebody there, and we need somebody there quickly. The players we have in the squad at the moment, what's on the horizon, is that an issue? Are people looking at it and thinking... Not for me at this time. Not sure about the calibre and quality Ireland has. That's certainly a bit of an issue, but I think if you want to manage Ireland, if you have the passion and the connection to, the, to, the, to Ireland, I think you'd, you know, you'd walk over broken coals. You know? um, I think the players actually aren't half, half bad. And I know I, I probably gave Kenny a bad breast of time, but I think he's left a decent panel of, of young players with international experience. If they can just be tweaked and refined, um, I think the panel is okay. I don't believe we're, we're 62nd in the world, even though we are. I just can't get my head around that. I don't believe we're 29th in Europe. We shouldn't be. We've got player, we have players capable of doing better than that. You know, um, between the top of the championship and the Premier League, we can field 16, 17, 18 players. Um, and I think with the right coaching and the right motivation, the right preparation, we can start to climb back up again. Uh, it has to happen, by the way, Jerry. It has to happen fairly soon. We, the FBI cannot afford not to be involved in Euro 2028. No one's quite sure how that's going to work out in terms of qualification, in terms of are there going to be passes for the, for the co-hosts. But, you know, we have to be there. World Cup 26 is coming up. We need to be competitive in that. Nations League, you know, we have a terrible record for Nations League and we're in a tough group, but a wonderful glamour group with England, home and away. I mean, there's so much for a new manager to get his teeth into, so much for the players to look forward to. We just need to get the show on the road again. Who is it going to be? You mentioned Anthony Barry there. I take it Roy Keane is out of the picture as uh, well, uh, Philip. Uh, he, he won't uh, figure at this stage. But you vast experience following the national team and, of course, the League of Ireland as well. Who do you think it'll be? What's your gut telling you today? Well, my, my gut was telling me it was Lee Carsley all along because he was, the, he was not only the FAI's number one choice, he was the best choice. You know, he was the guy, they want a head coach, by the way. They keep stressing that. That was again yesterday. Head coach, head coach, head coach. Not a manager. They wanted someone who would work with players on the grass. Carsey does that. They wanted someone who would, you know, bring an identity to all teams from the seniors down to the 15s, 16s. So until they actually appoint a manager, Carsey technically is still there. Um, who do I think it's going to be? I mean, I'm honest with Jerry. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit baffled by it all. I mean, I heard another name this week. You know, you hear names left, right and centre. Scott Parker's name was mentioned, former Bournemouth and Fulham manager. I Canham did. I asked Canham this yesterday, and they, like you know, does it have to be an Irish international, and does it have to be a, um, a person with national management experience? And ideally, it would, but it's not, you know, definitive. So where are we? 
I really don't know. There was an interesting name this week. I don't know if you heard this one. Um, what was his name again? Um, Crikey Hudson. I've forgotten his first name. It's terrible. Alan Hudson's son. I remember his father played for Chelsea. Uh, Hudson, he was at New Zealand and at the USA, and he's in Qatar. His name was mentioned. Um, I, at this stage, I actually don't know. I mean, you know, you have to consider, you have to think, why haven't they maybe spoken to Stephen, Stephen um, Bradley and Shamrock Rovers? You know, maybe they're fearful, Jerry, of the League of Ireland with Kenny. They put all their eggs in that basket, and Kenny, despite his best efforts, didn't deliver as, as he had hoped, as the FAI had hoped. So maybe they want to avoid the FAI, uh, the, the League of Ireland route. I actually don't know. Uh, certainly, it won't be an older guy. It won't be somebody on the on the way down. They want somebody on the way up, someone who's, you know, um, you know, is 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 someone who will benefit from being League of Ireland manager as opposed to someone who's just, you know, ah, give me a few bob and I'll do it. I'm winding towards retirement. Um, I actually don't know. I'll be honest with you. Um, they, they again, Canham said on yes, said on said uh, said to us on Tuesday, we're getting close. But he said that two months ago, we're getting close. So it's dragging on. It's now the third longest search for an Ireland manager. Uh, the longest search was Trapatoni before they nailed him. And that was a well factor. And they had the money from Dennis O'Brien to do that. They don't have that now. The second longest search was Steve Staunton. Um, who I still feel was given a short trip to manager. I would have kept him on a bit longer. Um, Jerry, to answer your question, I actually don't have the answer. I really don't. I'd like to say that I do. I'd like to reveal it exclusively to the LMFM listeners. But I don't. And I suspect the FAI don't have an answer just yet as well. There's one sure thing, Philip. It won't go on till October, please, God. It can't go on till October. <laughs> Thank you so the, much. The hunt, for, the hunt for green October, maybe red October, Jerry. No, it can't. It can't. You know, uh, we, we'll have somebody in sooner rather than later. But it is dragging. It is dragging. And it doesn't reflect well on the FAI that it's dragging this long. Philip, you're always so kind to us. Uh, make sure you check this man out, Irish Daily Mail soccer correspondent. He has his finger on the pulse for today. Philip Quinn, thank you so much for joining me on Late Lunch. Thanks, Jerry. Our Louise loves her coffee. She absolutely loves it, don't you? You love your coffee? Yes, I'm very, very grumpy if I don't have my coffee. Oh. At least three or four of them. <laughs> Well, I have Probably to tell you, I, I have to tell you a story about this morning, folks. You know, sure, I, t- I tell the listeners everything. I get, I get killed at home for this. Anyway, mm-hmm. Louise, this morning when I rang her for, I knew she was sipping the coffee real early in the morning. <laughs> you did, is right. I didn't, I didn't I say, you're having your coffee, uh, I said. And she said, oh, I am, but, uh, I, but I have no milk. <sighs> no milk for the co- So you drank it black? Well, I had a tiny drop from the end of I mean the, a drop. Yeah, a drop. It kind of didn't even turn it white, cream. And it was full milk, it was full fat milk, which meant, you know, it would have tasted like cream anyway, because I'm used to skim milk. So it was awful. So, yeah, I was in bad form. I was actually that close to robbing the milk <laughs> from my little son's Weetabix. Oh, no. Yeah. Mm, I was in that bad form. I was trying to decide, right, is it better to send my my son to school alive or hungry? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So I sent I I... Now, now, now you're you, you hearing the real side of it. They all say, oh, she's lovely. Isn't Louise lovely? Isn't she? She's gone. Anyways, no. didn't I give you a little tip? I'm going to share with the mm. listeners today. And you never thought of it. Be honest, you didn't think of this. Mr. You, Frugal. Well, you know. I, 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 <laughs> Dougal Frugal. I am, I am anything but, as you know. But I here's know the that. thing. When the milk carton is empty, and as you say, you've got to drop off it. And we used to do it years ago because we were struggling. Um, you get the carton mm. and you put a little drop of water into the carton. Put if you have the lid on and swish it round all round the carton, shake mm-hmm. it round, and 
put it into your coffee then and it will colour the coffee and mm. you will have skimmed milk. milk. Yeah, a skimmed milk in it. You know what I mean? That's a little mm. tip if you're if you're out of it. Oh, the other thing is Drive w- to the shop. Whenever our Ava goes to <laughs> Big Macs or whatever, yeah. You know yeah. the little sachets of milk oh, you yeah. get with a tea or a coffee. Mm. Have a little store of them in your house always. The little sachets of milk. Oh. And then you're yeah. never stuck. Never thought of that. You're never stuck. No, okay. there's, there's powdered milk. Forget about that. Mm. The powdered milk. Don't even... But when you're in a takeaway and you get the little milk, if you've one or two over, don't go in and rob the shop. If you've a couple over, bring them home with you and, and store them and then you'll never be stuck. You have the long life milk in the little sachets. And That's a great idea. Now, Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt and Josie's your sister. There you are. You have it today. Swish round the carton of milk or bring the little, um, the little ones with you. Look, when I tell you this, when we, when we say this to the listeners... This day is the 22nd. A week today is Leap Year Day, the 29th of February. This day next week. And uh, we have, we, we, we're going to be doing something special on late lunch on that day. But we were wondering, weren't we? We're wondering mm-hmm. out loud now. Is there anybody out there? I wouldn't think there's very many. Anybody out there got married on the 29th of February? Do you think there's anybody got married on Leap Year Day? There'd have to be. Do you think so? Mm. Really? I'm sure there It's is. only... No, I think people avoid it. I ah. would honestly think... Honestly, like if you had a choice or an option that you'd look at the dates, you wouldn't go 29th of Save every Save a fortune and anniversary presents. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the skin flint now? <laughs> Once every four Who's years. Who's the skin flint now? I wouldn't... Is, is there, folks, is there anybody out there got married on the 29th of February? Or do you know anyone got married on Leap Year Day? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. That's 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text. Or give us a call to the station here. Bridge will take your call. If you know somebody, I, or it was you that got married on that day. I doubt it. I doubt it. I, well, we're looking for a needle in a haystack here, in my opinion. Uh, mm, but I'd say there might be more women who proposed on that day because mm, it's tradi- isn't it traditional I, on leap year for and on that date especially for the women to do the proposing oh Mm. Right, so that's another aspect to it as yep. well. Uh, I'd say women propose on different days now. Would you say that the world has changed? Women oh, yeah, propose yeah. to men on any day. But it was, I think mm. you're right, it was a tradition that on leap year day, the girls could ask the boys to marry them. Yeah. What happens there? Like if I got down and I was asking a man to marry me, and would I give him a ring or would I hand him a ring to give back to me? Uh, or would you just say, right, uh, yes, okay, so you have to buy me a ring now? I'd say if it were you, you'd... <laughs> what would you do? Go on, tell them on I don't know, but I'm yeah. just wondering out loud. Yeah. yeah. Um, you'd have to give a ring, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd say so. Mm. I'd say so. You'd have to. You'd have to. Or... <laughs> I never thought that other angle on it that you mentioned there. <laughs> yeah, get the ring. There you are. Give that back to me. I want you to marry <laughs> yeah. me. That's the ring. Give that back. Give that back to me now. Just right now, I want that ring. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's move on to late lunch. We are married on Valentine's on Not Valentine's. We are married on Leap Year Day. Did you propose? Let us know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. We're going to play a song now, aren't we, Louise? Yep. That brings back memories. 1985. Great song. Do you remember it? Here we go with Red Box.
were talking about Louise's coffee this morning and her having no milk in it. What's Sean on about there, Louise? Um, do you do you drink Nestle coffee or what coffee do you drink? Anyway? No, I well mostly kind of the Azira or the little version of it. But okay, um, what's Sean on about it's there? It's a coffee, mate. I think I've I've seen it before. Thanks, Sean. It's it's like um. A cream. Yes. It's like a powder you put into the coffee. I think that it's like a, a like cream creams your coffee. Okay. Okay. So if you I had think. if you had no milk, there's somebody else. Yes, definitely, Jerry. I bring home the mustard uh, sachets when I'm ever in a, a takeaway. And the same listener says, I asked my hubby to marry me after six months together. We'll be married twenty eight years in July. Congratulations to you on that. God, you had your mind made up quick for sure. Somebody saying there, I'm insulting you. No, I don't think he is. We we slag one another. You know what I mean? We slag one another. You should hear what I say to him. Yeah, you should. You really should. It doesn't go on the airwaves. (laughs) Poor me. It's just not fair. She says, uh, Louise is not grumpy and not a skin. Well, I am. Oh, you have a big... There's there's another member of your... thank you. That's another member of your fan club there that's growing by the day. And Wendy says, Louise should freeze some milk in ice cube bags. They work a treat if you run out of fresh milk. I love that idea, Wendy, but no, I, I'm not that organized. <laughs> Won't happen. Won't happen. It never Won't happen. happen. And I'm slagging her there. Won't happen. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, let's move on on late lunch because I'm delighted to welcome my next guest back to the show. I'm looking at her here in the Sunday Independent, looking out, smiling at me. Big feature on her. Uh, Sunday just gone past. Her new book is out. It's called Sisterhood. She's going to be number one in the charts all over the world. Kathy Kelly. Hello. Hello, Jerry, and hello, Louise. How are you, my darling? Um, well, lovely to talk to you. And I'm sorry, I'm I'm not in the studio. I'm I'm a bit as the fellow says, I'm, I'm a bit crook at the moment, so I'm yes. trying to limit my trip. I am limiting my trips definitely. And I of, of I know you'd be here at the drop of a hat if you could. Well, my good my good friend, Kathy, can I say to you, how are you? Well, do you know what? I'm doing okay. I mean, last uh, the last. Oh gosh, I was going to say September. Last July, I got a breast cancer diagnosis. Yeah. And I mean, it is a bit of a shock. It is, as I was saying to you, was there, what you were saying, it's a, it's a life diagnosis. Um, so it, it put a stop to me gallop, as, as mm. you know, they say, because um, I was going to have to have chemotherapy. So I, it's a thing called a HER2 cancer. And that means that you have your your chemo and an immunotherapy drug. And I know you love the science like myself. I'm mad into the science. Mm. So um, I was before I went in to see the surgeon who was going to tell me what sort of cancer I had. I had looked up every sort of breast cancer. It it was, you know, it was like mastermind. I was like, I'm ready. This is my specialized subject. So as soon as he said, and you ever heard too? And I went, oh, my God. I said, yes. I said, you've got chemo before. And he's still looking at me. God love him. But um, and actually, at the time, he said, you know, I was going to be on this drug, a couple of drugs, but one of them was called carboplatin. And then I completely, you know, made myself sound like an idiot. I said, well, my dog is on that. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure he thought that was quite insane. Because my little dog, Pinky, also had cancer. And yeah. uh, she she went through a little course of chemotherapy and gave us another beautiful year with her. Lovely. So it's, Lovely. Anyway, it's, it was brilliant. So, um, so I had chemotherapy and immunotherapy all the way up until... Uh, the beginning of December mm. and have to tell you now it's it's tough I found it tough not yes. everyone does I mean some people exercise and do things I mean I couldn't get out of bed mm. I said this morning to someone else if I on a day there were days when if I had a shower 
that was a red letter day. So I know I'm giving you a beautiful picture of a, a sweaty knee with the bald head. But that was pretty much it. And makeup, hello, how are you? I, you know, I didn't even brush my teeth a lot of the time. Mm. It's a, you're sort of surviving. Yes. And um, so for the last two chemos, it was grand because they took out the, the carboplatin that my beautiful dog was able to tolerate and I wasn't. And, and that was sort of normal. And I was vaguely like a normal human being. And then in January, I had surgery. And now I'm just waiting for one more biopsy to come back. And hopefully I will be fine. And I will move on to um, radiotherapy. So it's, it's a bit of a journey. I mean, they did tell me in breath check when they, they were able to say, yes, you have breast cancer. They said, this is, you're going, this is a year out of your life. Mm. Uh, and it really is because um, I will be on the special medication, the immune drugs, for until I think about August. And, uh, and it takes a long time to, to get your energy back. So I'm still, you know, just um, an hour ago, I, myself and my partner, we brought the, the dogs out for a little walk and I climbed up some steps, you know, about 20 steps. And I was so delighted with myself because I wasn't panting because I couldn't have done that, you know, yes. a month ago. So, so that's where I am, Jerry, and I'm around um, promoting my new book, Sisterhood, Sisterhood, which was written, thank the Lord, before I got sick because yeah. I couldn't do it. I mean, mm. I didn't do anything. I didn't, didn't yes. wash a plate. Yes. And Cathy, so, listen, you're entitled to this year out and you need it and you have to, you know, travel this journey on and we hear what you're yeah. saying and we understand that well. And, you know, I'm sure you've been inundated with good wishes from all over. Oh, listen, do you know what? It was actually, it was incredible. When I, in September, um, you know, people said to me, look, you should because I occasionally I'd go down the village and I had lost my hair I mean I, I cut I cut my hair myself in advance because I thought let's just you know let's be proactive and also mm. it meant I could mess around with my hair and see what I looked like with short hair um, so I said look people are going to say she has cancer why is she not talking about it so I, I put it out there and honest God Jerry the messages people were incredible mm. and the other thing is and, and really I found honestly a sisterhood of of women with cancer, the number of, of people I didn't know from Adam who had gone through a similar cancer or, well, I didn't say what cancer I had, but who were, you know, going through breast cancer or who'd gone through breast cancer, sending me messages. And it was just, that was incredible. Because I think when you get a diagnosis like that, you need to, you need to talk to other people who know what you're talking about. Or if you're in the middle of chemo, and you don't know what is, in inverted commas, normal. It's lovely to be able to ring someone else up and go, what? It's, you know, or, well, it's actually God's ring. I wouldn't ring anyone. It was sort of, you know, text or WhatsApp um, and say, I feel X, you know, is that normal? <laughs> That's so many yeah. of my texts were, is that normal? Um, and, and you need that. And I, I met so many, and I've never met them physically. Well, a couple of them I met physically, but generally people I haven't met physically who were there and we have the, the sisterhood of the of the cancers. It's it's incredible. Mm. You know that And and you know something I want to say to you. I I so enjoyed your uh, interview with Neve Horn as I ah, mentioned there in the Neve. Independent the weekend. And as you speak to us today here on Late Lunch you are so honest and, and, and you're not uh, you know glossing it over in any way. It's been tough. Oh, it's been very tough. I mean, because, you know, I've been going around and I've been, you know, people are taking my picture and I'm wearing makeup and I have a wig, we'll say. And I, I've started not wearing the wig and I look a bit scary. 
with the with the very short hair. But you know, I, <laughs> I think I you're was lovely. Frightened. Ah, thank you, lovely. But I, I was afraid people would think I was, you know, almost making a sound. I mean, this is easy. I mean, there was, yes. There's nothing easy about this. Mm. And and positivity does not cure cancer. There's no, absolutely. I don't. Let, I never, never believed that, and I know it's to be it to be true. But it's just helped me with my journey. But but I said the journey word. I shouldn't have said the journey word. But um, there were times when it was just savage, really. Mm. I mean, savage. And that's why it's lovely to be able to talk to other people about it. Yes. But um, a, a really good friend of mine who had gone through cancer, she used to text me and she'd say, you know, look, you've only got two more bad weeks. We'll say when I had two more chemos left. And she said, anyone can do two more bad weeks. And, you know, it's true. That sort of stuff gets you, it gets you through. It really gets you through it. So mm. people, you know, people get that's you through it. That's it. And your boys, your boys, Cathy, oh, PJ, your oh, partner, uh, the oh, twins, Dylan and Murray. Oh and I know you, when, when, you, when you were told, you know, you, I've, I've just been reading, you know, you talking about you tried to, what did you try to do? You know, you, were, you went in and you told them <laughs> and then all of a sudden it dawns on you, you know, where you are. I think what I was trying to do, and, you know, I'm such a protector of other yes. people. As my mother says, I, I go into mother mothering mode with everyone. I mean, I mother everyone. It's, you know, God, that's crazy. But um, so I went into protective mode. I mean, even as I was, when I was told and I was with the lovely people in breast check and every woman, you know, over the age of 50, you know, that goes to breast check every two years. And of course, people get, lots of people get breast check, get cancer before they're 50, but, you know, the breast check system is, is pretty brilliant. Um but that day I was in a room with, uh, with the doctor who had taken the, the triple sample and I knew pretty much that I had breast cancer at that point. And I knew I was going to have to go out and tell my beautiful partner, PJ. And I, I mean, I didn't cry because I thought, OK, right, this is not easy, but we're just going to try and get through it. And it was the same with the boys. I, I suppose, I, yeah, I am. I was always trying to protect everyone. Yeah. And and then you do have the, the 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 nights when you can't sleep. I think chemo. There were always there's always a few nights in the cycle when you just, despite how tired you are, you just can't sleep and you're awake all night, and you're lying there and your brain goes into the, the scariest places. And you know, you know, what if I die and I leave them all behind? And I, you know, I I have so much I need to do with them and for them and to mm. set this up and that up and and the way all parents are and and all family people are, and that used to be scary. But um, you know, it's it's a it's it's a tricky trip that so many people. I'm not saying determined to say journey again, but so many of us have to take. I mean, one in one in three people would probably mm. get cancer. I mean, you know, it's the reality. And um, one in eight women are, are going to get breast cancer. So it's uh, it's great it's great to be able to talk about it. And yes. do you know what? There are so many articles about it, and so many people talking on the radio. It's that's really positive because you remember years ago it was the big C Absolutely. and no one said the word. Hmm. Even now, for example, if, if, you know, my mother was to say to me, so-and-so has cancer and I'd say, oh, what's it a cancer? And she'd go, oh, I don't know hmm. because for her generation, that, you know, cancer was the thing. Yes. You know? Yes, absolutely. Um, and by you talking about it and others as well, yeah. it's it's so, so important. Kathy Kelly's with me on Late Lunch. Her new book is called Sisterhood. It's just out. Is this number 22 or 23, Kathy? Is twenty three? I know. I'm frightened. I, I don't even like to think about it. I, I know. I, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm only twenty three. Fell, you know. So it's very hard <laughs> to imagine how I, how I got to write 
fixed them all. So I'm, I'm writing the 24th one in, in 2024. I mean, ah, you know. brilliant. So Absolutely brilliant. Weird. And listen, you keep being that 23 like myself. Once you're that in your head, you're fine. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter about the other thing that clocks well, off each year on the birthday. Forget about that. You know what I mean? Leave that that, exactly. Forget about that. And the lines and everything. It's in your head. I mean, I have so much enthusiasm and you're the same. And I think, because, you know, I'm, I'm going to be having radiotherapy soon and I'm going, really excited to have a look at the machine because every time I'd be in hospital, I'd go, God, that's a great machine. And I'd be sorry I wouldn't have my phone in with me so I could take a picture of it and bring it home and go, look at this yoke. Fabulous. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, the book, <laughs> let's talk about the book of the time will be her sisterhood. I love it. Set in the West Coast of Ireland, two sisters and their mom, a hidden secret. Do you know what intrigues me? To sort this out, the two girls head off to uh, Sicily. Uh, what a beautiful part of the world. It is such an amazing part of the world. As you see, I, I like to, um, rather than do research for a book, I, I, you know, have a holiday somewhere, and this was several years ago, and then I think, oh, do you know what, I put that in a book, that'd be great. So I have these two sisters. One is Lou, mm. and, I mean, there's certainly bits of me in Lou in that she's mothering everyone. Yes. She does everything yes. for everyone, and she does... She doesn't know that no is a complete sentence. And mm. to be honest, with you, neither do I. <laughs> She's nearly 50. And um, her mother, who is a bit, a bit of a melt, as we'd say, <laughs> um, the mother is very glamorous and she's in her 70s and she's a sculptress and she has red lipstick and a fun for neat gin and, you know, gentleman callers. But she gets, she gets poor Aunt Lou to clean the house. She say, you know, Lou, you clean the house. And how to be like a pit. So Lou has to clean the house. And Lou does everything for everyone. So it's coming up to Lou's 50th and the mum has forgotten about it and, and the mum doesn't really like anyone else having a bit of attention on them. Um, so her husband hasn't got her a present yet. But he's not worried because Lou is one of those sweet people who she won't mind God love her. And his brother says to him, you know, fair play to you, you're very lucky with Lou because his my wife would, would stab me if I didn't get her a present. Anyway, so that's Lou. And then we have her younger sister, Tony, who is totally different kettle of fish tougher um, she is married to this you know very charismatic actor and she one of her the things that she does is she um, she's trying to mentor women in business and she's trying to she's looking at the, the inequality I guess uh, that exists in most places in the world in um, women in companies you know you, yes. you will get far far more obviously men in position of power than you will in women and we see it all the time mm. so she's trying to trying to change that. And we first see her on, on a radio programme with this fellow who is, you know, boss of a big company. And he's there going, oh, we love women and they're fabulous. And she says, and do you have any women executives in your in your company? And he's going, uh, uh, well, no. Mm. Anyway, so he has it in for her because she humiliates him on air. And then something happens and she's a bit upset, but we don't quite know what. She belts down um, to the West Coast to uh, lose party. And Luke is there at the party, smiling, trying not to, to be upset with the husband. Again, totally forgot to buy around. And then the mother gets too much gin into her and gets, a, gets actually a bit of a shock about something else. Yes. And decides that, well, she doesn't decide, she just explodes with a family secret. Oh. And this comes as a complete, there's nothing like a bit, of, a bit of raw gin and a family secret and a party and everything goes to hell in a handbag and in a handcart even. And suddenly... Lou's party is destroyed and she realises that people have been lying to her her whole life and she has to find out why. So she's very upset and she and Tony end up taking some time out 
And Tony says, well, why don't we go and we'll try and find the only person who can tell us what really happened. And they set off on a road trip. It's sort of Thelma and Louise without the fabulous car and without, without Brad Pitt. There's no Brad Pitt in it. Well, actually, they, they pick up a lovely young girl along the way and they end up um, in Sicily, which is home to many beautiful Italian Oh, men. my God, what a place. I was in Termina, uh, stayed oh. in Termina beside Merdetna there and one of the most wonderful holidays I had. We'll have to go back, I have to say. But tell them no more because I want them to get the book. they got to get the book and read the book on book. and finish know, the story. The... You know what? We're getting lovely messages for you. Can I just read oh, one of them here oh, to please. you from oh, uh, Mina who says, Jerry, would you please wish Cathy all the best? I'm a breast cancer survivor seven years now. She oh, is, and she goes on to say, Cathy is my all-time favourite author and Mina wishes you all the very best. And there's more there as well. I just said I'd read that one Mina, to you there. thank you. Mm. Oh no, Mina, that is so, so beautiful and that means so much. And the thing is, when when you're going through cancer, having people come to you and say, and I've, I've, I've got over it, that's massive because when you're in the middle of it, you don't think you're ever going to be yes. normal. And I, I use the term advisedly. <laughs> I'm not sure I was ever normal, Jerry. <laughs> and, ne- and why would you be? And why would you, ne- why would you be anything else but the wonderful Cathy Kelly that we all love and read and we we're going to be reading you. this new book. They're all going to be reading it. It's out now. It's called Sisterhood. I have a copy here. I'm going to give it to the listeners uh, today. My copy of the book. Here's the question. Were you listening careful to myself and Cathy? She mentioned it a moment ago. This book is number what? It's book number what? Well, I'll give you a clue. Is it book number 22 or 23? Cathy said it a minute ago if you're listening carefully. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text for a copy of the number one best-selling new book called Sisterhood 22 or 23 book number your answer and your details 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text and we'll give it away before the end of the show do you know what I'm so delighted to catch up with you today I'm so pleased you joined us on the show I wish you well with the new book in 24 with all uh, ahead with uh, your radiation and all that entails we're with you all the way you know we love you I know you are look I love coming on I love talking to you the the burst of love you know people are wonderful I I know the world is in a precarious state at the moment but it's just so beautiful to get the sense that when things are down, people people will come behind yes. all of us. Not, yes. I'm not just saying it's about me. You know, and we're we're a great little we're a great we little are. country. We, we are, Kathy. Yeah, we are, and, and Pat Short said. absolutely, absolutely. Listen, go on there, and uh, all the best wishes. We'll talk again soon, please God. And I want to dedicate so this song to you as we oh, uh, you. leave you today. It's Mr. Bill Withers, and from oh. all of us and all your fans, you can lean oh. on us, Kathy Kelly. You can indeed. Thank you. God bless you. you. Take care. Bye bye.
My next guest is a very good friend of ours on Late Lunch. He's the man who taught me and many, many others how to keep bees. And he's back with us on the show for a very special reason. Owen McGillicott, lovely to talk to you again. Hi, Jerry. Good to talk to you. Well, well, first may I say to you, I'm really sorry. Your mother, Joan, passed away recently. Owen, accept their sympathies, please. Really sorry to hear the news. Uh, thank you, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. She'd been ill for uh, quite a while, but it was still, as you can imagine, quite a wrench when when she uh, left us. You know? Yes, shocking. To, it really is to lose to lose a parent at at any stage, and and that's why we're talking today, Owen. Because I have to say, I have to thank uh, my old sparring partner Deirdre Hurley, who uh, pointed this out to me. Because um, your dad, Michal, is a famous beekeeper. Your sisters, all the family, and you're you're the next generation of beekeepers that goes way back. But when your mum died, uh, you gathered as a family with your dad at a beehive and your dad performed a most unusual and touching uh, ceremony on. Will you tell our listeners what, what, what it is? So uh, this is um, a, a tradition. It's called, it's called telling the bees, and uh, it's a long-standing tradition in Ireland, across Europe, really, and even in the older parts of the United States. And basically, if uh, a family member uh, dies, you go and you tell the bees. Um, and it takes various forms, and you say different words. Um, in the in our version, Dad, Dad, who is a kind of a, loves his poetry, uh, recites um, a poem about the whole um, ceremony. And uh, it's actually the poem is actually from Yorkshire, I think, but it kind of encapsulates what we wanted to do, and that you know. Mm. And 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 those, just to describe for listeners, I'll tell them where they can check it out anyway because it's it's unbelievable the amount of people that have uh, looked at this since you you put it up. Um, your dad produced it like a, a black piece of cloth, was it, and put it over the hive. Yeah, the tradition. So there's various and people beak and, and a lot of Irish beekeepers still do this, um, or their families. And there's, it takes various forms. Well, but a common form is that you wrap the hive or hives in black cloth as a sign of mourning, um, and then you tell the bees. And it might be I've done a friend of mine died there a few years ago, and I just literally went and I to the hives and I just told him that he had gone. He was the, he was the beekeeper and. Um, uh, but in this this version, yeah, he dad uh, wrapped it in 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 the, in the cloth and then offered the bees kind of um, you know uh, food and drink from the funeral from the wake, you know. Yes. And then he uh, recited these lines as well, you know. And the main idea is there was always this belief that, especially if the the owner and and my mother, even though she wasn't a beekeeper, she was very much involved in the honey business. She did all the, the processing, bottling and labelling and she did a lot of the selling of the honey in her time. Uh, and you know, the idea is that if you don't tell the bees that they will, you know, uh, take it quite personally and they could they could leave, you know, mm. and uh, this is just to um, uh, keep them there, you know. Well, it's, it's beautiful, Owen. I'm, I must say it's beautiful and as you say, then a drink was presented and food on top of the hive as well. And your dad recited that. Obviously, he has it committed to memory. He wasn't reading it or anything. Yeah, my dad is uh, dad is uh, fantastic with poetry. Uh, he's a fantastic memory, and he knows uh, loads of poetry in both Irish and English. And uh, this is uh, this is a poem that he liked. And uh, I think, as I said, it just caught the moment. And uh, and he said it from from memory. Yeah, and and uh, it, it's really it was really only done 
to for the the family and for the extended family to to give it to the extended family, but it seems to have captured the, mm. the imagination of beekeepers first and of the general public too. So um, we're glad that if it does something to keep this tradition alive, then then we're, we're delighted. Oh, you certainly have owned and and uh, as I mentioned, Deirdre copped it, but when she showed it to me, it caught me too, and I said, God, I I would love to talk to Owen about this, and I'm very grateful that you have to, today, even in, in the circumstances of of losing yeah. your your lovely mum, but. It, Owen, where can people see it? Just to remind them, is it on your what Facebook page? Is it on a Facebook page we saw it? Um, it, it see, it's just, as I said, it was only from the family first, so it hasn't really generally released. I think, um, I, I'm not sure, you could probably get it on my sister's uh, Facebook page, which is Galty Honey. You know, this is down, my, my sister, my family is based in South Tipperary. So, Galty Honey Facebook. You yes. See it on yes, that. that's but it. it. it is, we've allowed it to be circulated too, so it might be another beekeeping site as yes, well. Yes, yes. But it is uh, there. That's right. It is that one. Galty Honey Facebook page, folks. If you want to look yeah. at this and see it, and you'll understand more by looking at it, what we're talking about today. So, the fear would be, and this is the tradition, that you've got to tell the bees that the beekeeper are people who worked with the bees when they've passed on so they know. So they know, yeah. And um, it was probably like, uh, and it's a very old tradition and it's, it takes different forms uh, across Europe, uh, but it's a very, very old tradition. You know, it goes back, I mean, there's mention kind of of maybe even from Greek time, ancient Greek times, uh, there seems to be indications mm. uh, of the ceremony. Um, and uh, it probably as well, you know, especially if it was a beekeeper, often, you know, the thing is, if you go and tell the beekeeper, then you yourself are obviously interested in the bees and probably will look after them anyway. So then, yes. you know, they will more likely to survive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it's, sorry, it's... Uh, Jerry, just uh, just as another a bit of interest as well, just like total coincidence, my, my mother was laid to rest on the Feast of St. Godness, actually, um, which is, and uh, St. Godness is the Irish patron saint of beekeeping. She's um, kind of venerated, especially in Kerry and West Cork and... Um, there's a patron to her every year in Ballyvorney and in, in, in the um, uh, West Cork Gaeltacht, uh, and it just it was just amazing coincidence as well, and it just tied in the whole whole idea. and And there's several traditions to do with St. Gubnus as well and Irish beekeeping too. Yeah. Oh, lovely, Owen. Even more touching. And, you know, there's, I often say it about the world we live in as human beings and creatures like bees and that occupy this little planet of ours. The connections and uh, coincidences are amazing. And, and that's just another one there as well, isn't it? That uh, she was laid to rest on that day. My God almighty, yeah. There you go. Lovely little addendum to the story as well. It's beautiful, Owen. It, it really is beautiful. And pass that on to your dad and your sister and that it's just I, I really caught yeah. the imagination of, of so many people it, it really really has before you go today I have to mention to you uh, beekeeper own and all your hives the weather own I know I talk about the weather a lot on the show you must be driven to distraction are you with the bees this uh, winter uh, yeah I mean it's, it's early days yet but it's certainly uh, I mean as wet I mean it's, it really hasn't stopped raining since July really um, mm. it is very wet I was actually out earlier um, and I was just squelching around in, in the mud um, and I had, I had just, I'm just back I had a great fun because the tree collapsed and, and t- a couple of my hives oh. so I had great fun extracting from that but uh, 
These are the trials and tribulations of you know, uh, beekeeping and any type of farming, really. You know. Well, I hope the bees got the... And you may go back and give them another message to implore uh, the weather god to make things better for the spring and the summertime this year because beekeepers and bees especially need it. God almighty own. I hope it picks up. I really do. I really do because it's been just horrendous. But anyway, that they are the challenges of keeping bees. Own. Thank you so much. Uh, will you pass on again our sympathies to your dad and, and siblings as well? And thank you so much for joining me today to tell the lovely story about the ancient tradition. Thank you very much, Terry. Take care of yourself. Bye. That's Owen McGillicuddy there. One of the finest beekeepers in this neck of the woods. A brilliant man. And honestly, what a teacher as well. As I said, he taught me and so many as well. It's lovely. Look it up, folks, on Facebook. Galti Honey Facebook page. And you'll see what we're talking about. It's really something ancient and special. The government in the UK today announced a baby loss certificate scheme. And it's a voluntary scheme for those who experience the loss of a baby before 24 weeks. The new certs, they're not compulsory, but they will be official, but yet not legal. Uh, My next guest has spoken to us on Late Lunch in the past about this very topic. And she's been campaigning here in Ireland and I'm delighted to welcome her back. Caroline Smith, hello again. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Thank I'm you so much for having me back on. Not at all. We thought of you, well, Earl, we thought of you straight away when this news broke this morning. Um, what do you yes. make of it? I'm actually, I'm so happy. I am absolutely delighted. I'm I'm so proud of Zoe. I've never met her and Samantha for the work that they've done on it. And I'm a bit envious, um, to say the least, um, because that's what we've been fighting for. And that's what we would actually love to see happening in our own country very soon. Do you believe that it may be the nudge the government needs here? You know, and I I take it in your campaign, surely you're going to reference this now straight away and ask them to do likewise. Absolutely. And, um, you know, actually before Christmas um, or even last year, I was I sent on the work that they had been doing, that Zoe and Samantha had been doing. um, And I sent it on to the relevant departments to say, look, here's what's happening in the UK. Can we not... Like, what they're asking for is basically what we've asked for. Um, But unfortunately, it seems to be stuck, (laughs) for Mm. want of a better word. Mm. Um, I suppose, like, we had um, Senator Regina Doherty and Mary Siri Kearney sponsored a bill, um, which was the Certificate of Life, an amendment to the Civil Registration Bill in 2022. And it actually progressed through the first and second stage. Um, it flew through them um, in the Shannon and it actually passed the second stage on the 20th of October 2022, which was Stephen's seventh birthday. But it's been stuck since. So, um, unfortunately, we're getting, we haven't gotten anywhere with the Department of Health or the Department of Social Protection in terms of feedback from them. Um, we do know that there's issues with the General Registry Office in terms of the certificate that we're looking for because, again, we want an official one, but it mm. can't come through the General Registry Office because it has to be a legal document. And because it's official, it's not going to be legal like what's in the UK. So I think that's where it's stuck. And it's trying to come up with that framework of where it can be issued from. But absolutely, yeah. to have this recognition is just, I know how much it would mean to my family but I know how much it would mean to so many other people, other parents, and not just parents, siblings, you yes. know, aunts and uncles, the whole extended family and friends to know just to have that one piece of paper. And I know to some it's just a piece of paper, mm. 
But to us, it means so much. It's like the world because we don't have the baby here, you know, with us, living with us. But we do have the constant memory and the constant hopes of what that baby would be or who they who who they would look like, all that kind of stuff. But once, just to have the official acknowledgement and recognition that, yes, there's a member of our family and that member is not here, even though they were born, even though, you know, we have all, as I keep saying, the physical evidence of, we have all the physical evidence of Stephen being here, but mm. to have one simple piece of paper. Yeah. It would just mean the world. Mean the world, yeah. And, and we, we hear what you're saying. I know in the UK situation, I, I take it that it's mirrored here as well. Um, it's largely a hidden issue still. And, and getting a handle on numbers in the UK, this is the, the, the ladies you mentioned there, they're calling, you know, for um, this to be, you know, looked at and worked on as well. Mm. Similar, it's, it's, it's similar here, isn't it? It's, very similar. Yeah, absolutely. There's been calls for, you know, um, even just uh, like even to have a, a miscarriage register mm. because there isn't an official register yes. of miscarriages. I know every hospital would have one. Um, so I know that Stephen is recorded in the Rotunda Hospital because that's where, he's, that where he, that's where he was born. But it's not, again, this is not something that the hospitals have to share with the government. So there's no, there's no database to say, OK, well, this amount of women had... Um, miscarriages at whatever stage, whatever trimester um, of their pregnancy, um, and unfortunately, it, it it it's so true that it's still very much a taboo subject. But I'm so pleased to see, and I'm so pleased to see that there's so many women fighting for this, and especially in government. I know, um, Ivana Bastic, her um, reproductive leave bill is passing through, and that would allow women who have a miscarriage mm. to have. They would have, they'd be entitled to time off. Statutory um, leave, yes, for... Statutory leave, yeah. yeah which mm. is, you know, that would be great because that's something that we've asked for as well because there isn't anything like that. So mm. a woman has a miscarriage and it's like, never mind the taboo behind it, they're not given the time to physically or mentally recover from it. Yes. And it is a huge, it is a huge recovery. Like, And I know in terms of having Stephen, you know, my body responded as if I'd had a live baby. Mm. So, but there was no... There's no time frame for that to, for any period of recovery. So there's so, like this certificate is a huge step, but there's more work to be done. A lot. But this in itself, it's like I've I've been reading the comments online um, because Angels um, UK and Worldwide put up a post about it. Um, I think Zoe's involved in that on Facebook and just to see the comments of people saying like, you know, oh my God, to have an official piece of paper, I can finally have a piece of paper. Mm. And I know I keep saying it's just a piece of paper, but it's not it's no. just a piece of paper. It's much it's, more, it's, it's, uh, it's recognition and proper recognition. And as you said there, the, the minister in the UK said they are actually looking at that uh, statutory leave um, yeah. situation as well. So that's more positive news as well. Well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased to catch you today and uh, welcome your reaction. I'm so sure uh, many listening today uh, have been touched by this as well. The campaign yeah. goes on and we await the change here in Ireland. I wish you well. Keep in touch with us, won't you? I will indeed, Jerry. Listen, thank you so much for your support throughout all. Throw all of this. You've been amazing, so thank you. Thank you indeed. Take care, thank Caroline. That's thank Caroline Smith there, uh, mum to, to Stephen, who would have been uh, seven back in 2022, nine now. And big news for all those affected.
Orla Barn. Did you see this, Louise? Orla, Orla, O-R-L-A. Orla Barn in Dundalk is after getting a new guide dog. Oh. oh, isn't that lovely? It's great news. It really is. Breda, Aidan, John, Jimmy and Mary Rose are absolutely thrilled for you, Orla, with the new dog and want to wish you the very best of luck with it. Um, whoever sent us in that, will you give us a shout back? Just give us a shout back here to LMFM, if you would. We're delighted for Orla. Must be great, you know. Mm. And what a difference. And you see the campaign going on no, at the minute. It's first or second. Yeah, well, yeah. Is, mm. it the, is it the second ref? Give us a shout back here, will you, at the station about that one, please. Um, did you see that the guide dogs are looking for people to you know the way we, we've uh, spoken about it here on the show before people take the dogs for a time to mm-hmm. sort of break them in and then they go for training you know what I mean oh, okay like fostering the, almost yes the guide dog people are looking for people to take dogs like look after them for a period of time before they go for their training and then on to the the person who will have the use okay. of the dog then as well. So just if that you, not instill bad habits in them. Um, no, no, no. They 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 sort of help you with the dog and they tell you oh, what's okay. what and they guide you through. But they're looking for uh, people to come on board actually and uh, you know uh, become what would you call it foster, mm, foster uh, carers parents. for the guide dogs uh, before they go then to their formal training. That's a uh, that's a uh, that's a nice one there. It, it certainly is. Uh, had a message. And most, and one, most guide dogs. Labradors. Majority, yeah. Mm, the labs okay. are, they have a lovely temperament and personality for that. You know what I mean? They have indeed. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of them are, to be honest with you. Lovely chat with Cathy Kelly earlier on in the show. And her new book is called Sisterhood. I have a lovely copy here to give away today to one of you. I did ask you, this is her, what, 22nd or 23rd book? It's her 23rd book, as she said herself. 23, I was looking for. Rita Kelly, the book is yours today. And thank you to everyone. Everybody who got in touch looking for a copy, you'll enjoy it, Rita. I promise you. Now, let's give this a spin on Late Lunch. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. Billy Joel, it is all week. Let's get personal today and tell you a bit about the man and his life. He first married in 1973, Elizabeth Weber. Uh, she had a son from her marriage to John Small, but had no children with Billy. She actually became his manager until they divorced in 1982. He then, of course, married his uptown girl, Christy Brinkley, in March 1985. And they had a daughter, Alexa Ray, Joel. And uh, that marriage lasted until 1994. He didn't dip his toe in the marriage pool for a decade. Yes, 10 years on in 2004, he tied the knot for a third time to Chef Katie Lee, a marriage that lasted five years. Would that be it? Not at all. Billy's a sucker for punishment. He took the leap for a fifth time in 2015. Is that a fifth time? I said third. He took the leap for a fourth time. I was marrying him again. Yes, he took the leap for a fourth time in 2015. Uh, Tying the knot with Alexis Roderick. He was 66. She was 33. Half his age. My word. They have two daughters, Della Rose and Remy Ann. Yes, there's life in the old dog yet for sure. What about the song today? Yes, taken from the 1983 album An Innocent Man, released in 1984. It's a doo-wop song and a tribute by Joel to his musical heroes. Yes, Billy Joel, my artist of the week on Late Lunch today for the longest time. Time. Whoa, for 
Billy Joel, my artist of the week, the longest time. Isn't that a wonderful song? All the voices on that are Joel's. Yeah, he did every one of those voices himself and uh, put it together. Brilliant, brilliant song. Final instalment from Billy tomorrow on the show at this time. Final break of this Thursday afternoon. And up next, we're going soupy loopy with Tara Walker. Yes, we're back with Tara Walker in her wonderful kitchen. It's the second week of Soupy Loopy on Late Lunch. And last week, you may recall, we did a wonderful vegetable soup. And today, ah, what would I say? Touching the cockles of my heart with this soup. (laughs) I think mushroom soup is just such a lovely one. I know a lot of people don't like it. It's like one of those love it or hate it kind of ones but for those who love it mushroom soup is just so beautiful how tasty how hearty so starting the same way as last week a little bit of rapeseed oil and a little bit of butter into my pan and when the butter foams i'm adding my onions in and a little pinch of salt and as always this needs a few minutes now to kind of cook out get that lovely caramelization in as i said to you last week it takes a while this part is the bit that people maybe don't have patience with and why their soups are maybe a little bit on the bland side so just get that on and we're going to pop a lid on that now for at least 10 minutes lovely you know you have chestnut mushrooms today you have the ordinary white mushrooms you have button mushrooms you have the big ones that you'd fire on the pan and and uh, fry them as well what do you go for for your mushroom soup well i think if you can chestnut mushrooms have a good flavor i mean in terms of supermarket mushrooms you know they have a good flavor never wash your mushrooms so you see here i'm just trimming off any little bits that don't look the best just use your knife to kind of peel it back Um, if they're very mucky you can use a little brush to brush them off but I just tend to find I take off the worst bits with my knife and then just chop down because you know they absorb all of the water when you wash them and then when you and then it just kind of it just dilutes the flavor and then a load of water just kind of seeps out into your dish so it's best just to wash them down this way and if they're really bad just peel them completely so there's an important point. The mushroom itself, it's a lot of water. There's a huge uh, water content in a mushroom. It's like a sponge, you know, mm. so it just soaks up. And there's already, as you say, water in it. But at least it's kind of nice flavoured water, if you see what I mean, <laughs> when you don't wash it. So I have a selection here of just chestnut and button mushrooms. Of course, if you're confident foraging for mushrooms, fabulous. Gather some lovely ones. The big flat cap kind of portobello style, they're lovely as well. They have great flavour. So just try and get the best you can, I suppose. So we await the uh, onion to soften down there in the pan. Mushrooms are all chopped on the board here now and we'll shortly be ready to bring the mushroom soup together. You know, it's... It's simplicity, I have to say. Soup is not complicated. It's not. It's slow, I would say. Now, this, yeah. the, the pea and lemongrass one I'm doing um, next week, and then, you know, some of the other ones I have, they're on my website for anyone who's interested. They are very quick ones. Sometimes I throw together tomato, chickpea, and harissa, or something like that during the week when I'm in a hurry, and I don't need all this kind of slow caramelization, and I don't have time for it. You know, and that's kind of a mix of nice flavours, and you've got the harissa or whatever that's, that's kind of saving you from needing to do the caramelization. But if you just want to go with these simple classics, you just need time rather than effort, if you see what I mean. (laughs) Well said, we like that. Just a little patience and a little time. So the magic has happened. The magic of radio. We've been able to move on. The onion's looking beautiful in that pan. We're ready to add the mushrooms, Tara. Yep. So look, you can see this lovely kind of softening going on with the onions there. And I don't need to give them quite as long as I did for the vegetable soup last week because I also want to give the uh, the mushrooms themselves some time to just sweat down and caramelize. So what we want to do, there's a little trick here. We want the juices from the mushroom to come out and then be reabsorbed. So we're just going to take our time about that. 
and filling up the pot now it looks like i've loads of mushrooms but they do kind of cook down and especially when you blend it so you might think that's a huge amount of mushrooms but you do need it okay so we're back to the mushrooms and look at the way they've uh, just almost disappeared in the yeah, pan there i mean look they were at the top of yeah. the pot and now they're about halfway down and all all i've done is just you know let them sit there and sweat down basically stirring every now and then so they're about kind of half the size they were and i'm going to add some thyme in now. i think mushroom soup and fresh thyme is just absolutely gorgeous and it's one of the times when i would say the fresh is better than the dry but look if you only have dry go ahead okay so that's gone in and now i'm going to pop a tablespoon of flour in so there's lovely juices at the bottom there that will mix with this flour and then that just thickens it all just ordinary flour regular plain flour just a tablespoon going in so it's nearly like making a roux with the base like the butter and the oil were in there at the beginning now the juices from the mushrooms have mixed with that now the flour so it's like a little roux a flavoured roux, I suppose. And um, we just let that cook out for a moment. More decrease in size yes. as we come back to the the uh, mushrooms here. Yeah, absolutely. So you can see there's a really gorgeous thick base here now and you can smell it in the air as well. And I'm going to add my chicken stock and you can use vegetable stock if you like. Always go with less liquid than the recipe calls for because, you know, you don't really know how absorbent your vegetables are across all soups, basically. So if your recipe calls for, let's say, a litre of stock go with maybe 750 800 mils you can always add more stock in but you can't take it out and if you've over diluted then you lose the flavor it's hard to come back from that so you can always add a little bit more in once you've blended it up or if it's been simmering for a few minutes so we're going to let that simmer now for about five minutes and then we're going to blend it up okay so the mushies have done their business everything in there now mushrooms thyme the stock and the blitzer is produced yes so they've been simmering just for a couple of minutes there not too long i mean all the main work happens in the sort of caramelization stage the sweating down stage and then i'm going to blitz up now i've got a stick blender i always prefer a stick blender i know a lot of people use liquidizers i think it's an awful lot of kind of messing around so I noticed with the blender there, and I just want to say it, I'd be a dibble for lifting that blender up, but you don't. You just put it in beneath the soup and let it work away there. Yeah, mainly because I don't want to burn myself with and it. And be splattered. Yeah, exactly, yes. Yeah, so now I know, now I know. I've learned something <laughs> crucial with Tara today. I'm, I've been splattered many a time yeah. moving it around. Don't do that. Just no. leave it beneath the soup and it yeah. does its business. Exactly, exactly. Because otherwise, if you bring it up to the surface, it's just going to splash everywhere, yes. <laughs> That's a fairly basic one, Jerry. I'm surprised to hear that you've been splattered regularly, that you didn't learn. <laughs> anyway, you live and learn every day. There you go. And you've just uh, made that into a lovely smooth soup there yeah, now. Exactly. Anything else to be done yeah, with that now that you've moment. blitzed it? So back on the heat for a moment and we're going to add a little bit of cream in there now. So I'm not looking to really kind of, you know, boil it or anything at this stage. Just stir that cream through and really essentially for all soups before you serve up have a little taste i always have my tasting spoons here make sure you're happy with the seasoning and if you're not you can adapt it now and, and reduce it down a little bit if necessary no i'm happy with that i think i'm just going to add a little bit of black pepper in and maybe a little touch of salt but not too much we only had a very small little bit of salt going in there at the beginning when we were sweating off the onions and then we're going to just, I'm going to pour it into a jug. That's a little tip for soups, just to pour them nicely. Pour them back into the jug maybe that you've had the stock in. Just to mention, we never did add that last bit of stock in. So, not needed. No, not needed. And then into your bowl. And 
I have a lovely little bit of truffle oil here. Oh, this is decadent now for sure. If you're using truffle oil, make sure you go very, very, very light on it because it's very, very flavorful and it pours out quite quickly usually. So just a few drops is all you need. And the truffle oil just complements the mushrooms because obviously it's that sort of rich, earthy, fungi flavor, you know. So it just gives a nice little bit of extra flavor to it. And Jerry, have a little taste. Oh, this is the part I love. This is why I really come out here. <laughs> to get tasting Tara's magic. And here we are with our mushroom soup. Week two. I will indeed. Week two of Soupy Loopy. Let me just taste. And I'm a huge fan of mushroom soup. Here we go. Mmm. Oh, my word. That is just superb. And can I say this to you? You mentioned something there when we were talking a little earlier. The time. I can detect the thyme they're a bedfellow aren't they mushroom and thyme they really are and and fresh definitely is best I know last week I said you could use the dried with the vegetable soup but I think in the mushroom soup fresh is best it is Tara you're a genius second of our series on soups done today on late lunch and just remind our listeners where they can check you out and what you're up to at the moment so it's tarawalker.ie is my website i have recipes on there on the blog but also i have my cooking club now basically there's lots of recipes lots of video tutorials in there and you get one free online cooking class per month for that so that's pretty good value because it's 25 euros for a one-off class or 9.99 per month for the class and all of the cooking club recipes that's all on tarawalker.ie until the next time i can't wait thank you so much mushroom magic <laughs> great to see you as always jerry oh i made it myself the weekend it's a cracking soup and i love mushroom soup not everybody's cup of tea perhaps but i have a real affinity to mushies i have to say anyway that's it on late lunch for another thursday afternoon thank you for being with us uh, through the last couple of hours we do appreciate it eddie caffrey's on his way with the drive here next on lmfm radio and we'll be back with your friday late lunch from 1:30. have a lovely evening see you then A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.